Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. My best memories were really when we were all eating and all enjoying. And I think that food remains something now that I'm a mom myself, it remains sort of this, this leveling field where no matter how old your kids are and how much you start to feel like I can't really relate to them or they don't want to hang out with me or they have interests in things that I can't share or they don't want me to be involved in these certain aspects. When it comes down to food, there's something about it where you're all kind of at the same level. And I think that that's a really, a really nice thing. Does cooking feel like a struggle more often than you want to admit? Do school lunches get boring after the third week and even cereal for breakfast sometimes feels like too much effort? Let alone feeding yourself and your family meals with vegetables they'll actually eat? If you're a busy mama like me, you can probably relate. I'm Chris Dovniak and welcome to My Healthy Mama Kitchen. I'm a trained chef, culinary nutritionist, and mama of two, and I'm here to guide you in making healthy eating easy and accessible by simplifying your meal plan, demystifying meal prep, taking the stress out of weeknight dinners, and helping you learn to cook your family delicious, nutrient-dense meals along the way without spending hours in the kitchen or thousands of dollars a month at Whole Foods. In this podcast, I'm here to share my best tips, tools, and hacks for your real-life Healthy Mama kitchen with a side of humor and sometimes a little bit of spice. So grab your favorite apron and let's get cooking. Do you ever have someone you stumble upon online and you watch their video and they are just an instant follow? Cat from Cat Can Cook was that for me. It was her bubbly personality combined with her sarcasm and most importantly, her delicious approachable recipes that made me follow her and start watching her videos a couple years ago pretty regularly. And to find out that she's also a classically trained chef, she has a ton of experience in the kitchen and she brings that kitchen wisdom to almost 3 million followers on TikTok and Instagram. Cat is the real deal. And she was actually on my shortlist, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, for guests I was excited to ask to come on the podcast when I decided to bring on some incredible food creators. And it just so happened to work out that she agreed to come on the podcast and have a really awesome conversation on all things food, flavor, and feeding our families. Kat Ashmore is the chef, recipe developer, and digital creator behind Cat Can Cook. 
She graduated from the award-winning Institute of Culinary Education in New York and went on to work for Martha Stewart, developing retail recipes and producing cooking segments on the eight-time Emmy Award-winning The Martha Stewart Show. Kat lives in Fairfield County, Connecticut with her husband Michael and their family, and she is a brand new cookbook author. Her debut cookbook, Big Bites, wholesome, comforting recipes that are big on flavor, nourishment, and fun, just released on January 23rd. It is available everywhere books are sold. So in today's episode, we expand on those themes and talk about all things food and flavor. We talk about how Kat got her start in the culinary world and how she became Kat Can Cook. We talk about cooking for our families, how to not be afraid of shortcuts, how to add big flavor to your everyday family meals, and so much more. I had so much fun talking with Kat. She truly is as fun to talk to as it feels like watching her on her Instagram stories every day, and I'm excited to have you a part of our conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kat Ashmore. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. Chris, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You were actually one of the guests I had on my short list for guests I wanted to have on the podcast when I decided to bring guests back on the podcast. I was just talking to you before we officially started recording that this podcast was a mostly guest podcast for several years. And then we kind of transitioned. And when I was like, okay, I want I want to have guests back on. This is even before I knew you had a cookbook. You were on the short list. Um, so I'm excited mm. to chat with you about all things cooking, cooking for families, and your brand new cookbook. So I want to kind of start out by just having you share your cooking story with my listeners. So how did you start cooking? And what does cooking look like you look like for you today? So I'm sure it's different than when you started. It certainly is different than when we started. You know, I think that my cooking life prior to having kids, I wouldn't even say culinary school. I don't even think that that's as much of a differentiator in my life as having children, Mm -hmm. as far as the landscape of my cooking. Um, You know, I was just joking with a friend of mine the other day that, you know, I am no stranger and have no shame when it comes to taking shortcuts in the kitchen and making things really manageable and utilizing an air fryer if it comes out with a delicious result. And that, you know, some of my instructors from culinary school, if they could see me now, you know, <laughs> shredding chicken in a stand mixer and things like that, they would probably be shaking their head thinking, you used to debone rabbits and make croissant. What happened to you? <laughs> I had kids. That's what happened. I feel the um, same. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. So really, I've been, you know, I often say that I didn't come from a family of elaborate cooks so much as I came from a family of enthusiastic eaters. And Cooking and food was always just really fun and it felt pretty casual. And my, you know, like many of us, my best memories were really when we were all eating and all enjoying. And I think that food remains something now that I'm a mom myself, it remains sort of this, this leveling field where no matter how old your kids are and how much you start to feel like. I can't really relate to them or they don't want to hang out with me or they have interests in things that I can't share or they don't want me to be involved in these certain aspects. When it comes down to food, there's something about it where you're all kind of at the same level. And I think that that's a really a really nice thing. And it can be rare as our kids get older. I'm already seeing it with my five and seven year old. So 
Um, I went to culinary school in my late 20s. So I wasn't aware that this was going to be my career by any means. You know, I went the traditional path of going to college and then I worked in marketing and I wasn't really, I didn't know that there was this whole world outside of working in a restaurant or owning a restaurant when it came to food. And because I had waited tables and bartended a bit in college and in my earlier years, I knew that working in a restaurant was not going to be the life for me. It's just not on a chemical level. It's not the right fit. I'm not someone who thrives under pressure and aggression and it's incredibly long hours. I mean, I give so much credit to people that work in that field. Uh, What I do is a pure luxury in comparison, that's for sure. Uh, But really I was working in In marketing, I was a marketing manager at a luxury real estate firm down in South Florida. And it just so happened that one, it was like a Thursday afternoon, there was an open house at a $40 million property on the water on Saturday and the caterer pulled out. And one of the brokers said to me, like, I know that this is crazy, but I had brought in, you know, little treats and little snacks and things like that into the office. I had always loved to cook and bake. He said, like, do you think there's any way that you could like make some stuff for this open house? And I was like, yeah. And that's very much my personality that has served me very well. Just say yes and figure it out later. And so I drew up a little menu and I took it very seriously and people loved the food. So I started doing it a bit more. And before I knew it, I was like, I enjoy this way more than what I'm actually getting paid to do. I don't know if that's the way it's supposed to be. So maybe I should look at this. Um, And the timing just happened to line up where I had, you know, broken up with a boyfriend and I felt like I was a bit liberated. And I kind of took a step back and I was like, what if I went to culinary school? So I went up to New York City and toured a couple of different schools, ended up choosing the Institute of Culinary Education. And I was 28, I believe that's really when my career in food began. Um, So I went to culinary school at the Institute of Culinary Education. I ended up landing an externship at the Martha Stewart show, the Martha show. which was, of course, felt very surreal. I had, she was an idol of mine since I was a young girl. I used to read her cookbook entertaining as a novel in bed at night, which was one of, you know, I think her first cookbook. Um, So to have that opportunity was, you know, really incredible. And I learned a ton, parlayed that into working for her at corporate. So I was on the food producer team on the Martha show. We produced all the food segments. So when she was cooking with different celebrities, chefs, um, guests, guests from the audience, and then ourselves. So I did some on-camera work with her, which certainly prepared me for the on-camera and social media work that I do Now, I sort of, you know, joke that once you've done live television with Martha Stewart, not a lot makes you nervous. (laughs) And I think that that, I mean, I definitely got a backbone. That's where I grew up and I learned a ton working in an environment like that, that was so, um, where the standards were so incredibly high, as you can probably imagine. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so cool. I love hearing your story because I think I've followed you for a couple of years, but I've only heard mm -hmm. bits and pieces of your story. So hearing it yeah. from, you know, working for the real estate agent and then, mm -hmm. you know, just catering out of the blue and having this become not just your passion, but your career is so cool. I had a similar story of going to college for something, well, somewhat different. I went to school for nutrition met my husband and decided to follow a boy to Canada because that is what you do. Um, and I went Obviously. to culinary school. It's always a job or a boy. That's the reason <laughs> why you move. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, and then I went to culinary school and, you know, a journey like yours, but the rest is history. And so I think it's so Amazing. cool to be able to, and it was, it was literally just because I became super passionate about food, just like you. Um, and I think it's, it's so cool to be able to, and I think it's encouraging for the younger generation, too, that even if you decide that this is your path, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get a degree in marketing, I'm going to work in marketing, this is going to be my path. It's okay to pivot. It's okay to go. I'm, there's something else Very. I'm passionate about, and it could turn into something like Cat Can Cook, <laughs> which is mm -hmm. what you're doing now. And it's I think so it's, cool. it's, it's so much more common now, and especially <laughs> when you're a creative, it's not a linear path. Right. It like you're there are twists and turns. I mean, my parents were both teachers. They were teachers for their entire career. You don't I don't know a lot of people like that anymore. And yeah, I think I think what you realize is that you're really not starting over because that can feel like the most daunting aspect of I'm starting from the bottom. I'm starting all over. You haven't lost everything that you've learned and everything that you've experienced. And yes. I see so clearly how some of the skills that I had in these jobs that seemed to really not mean a whole lot in my life at the time served me well now. I mean, I learned more from this job in recruitment that I was rubbish at. I mean, I was consistently on the bottom. I was not, I, I am a great salesperson when I believe in something. And when I don't care about something, it's written all over my face. I have no, I have no poker face. And I, I was miserable at that job, but it really, it allowed me to learn not to take things personally and to be aggressive with my communication and to be persistent with my communication and to follow up and to ask for what I want. And I, I often think that I should email my boss from back then and say, you know, a massive thank you because yeah. it, you know, I have no shame in asking for things that seem way above my pay grade and that I have no seeming right to ask for. I will do that in a heartbeat. Never say no to yourself. That's a motto I have. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you talked about your journey, kind of where you started in the culinary world. So how did Cat Can Cook start? How did it come to be? You have over 2 million followers on TikTok and Instagram. I mentioned that I've been following you for a couple of years and I think my favorite thing about you is that it feels like, you know, even talking to you now, your personality really shines through what you do. And you share these really incredible recipes that also feel very doable for the home cook. And I think, but they're also, I there's also layers to them, right? There's tons of flavor. Like we're going to talk about your cookbook in a little bit. And I think that, you know, your personality combined with these incredible recipes is 
you know, how you grew this incredible following, but where did it start? Where did Cat Can Cook start? Um, and I guess I didn't really let you talk about what cooking looks like for you today. So maybe, maybe share a little bit of, yeah. about that as well. Sure. I, thank you for that. First of all, um, you know, I think I really wanted to approach my content and my recipes and my approach with food, sort of marrying my skill set and my education and the fact that, you know, I am, I am a pretty serious cook, you know, despite the fact that I'm not, I, you know, I, I take my food seriously. I don't take myself that seriously. And so that was, you know, undoing some stuff that I learned at Martha, right? Because that is very much aspirational, very picture perfect down to the detail. And so it has been a little bit of a process, just letting my hair down and just really being myself and being really casual and having it feel like we're FaceTiming and cooking together or you're right in my kitchen with me. But I found that the more that I just relaxed and chilled out and let my humor and my sarcasm and my, you know, silliness shine through. That was the stuff that people resonated with the most. That's really what they want. They wanted connection. And I, um, I started my business in 2020. So it was July of 2020. So coming up on four years now in the summer, it'll be four years. Um, you know, the pandemic had started and I had an opportunity where I had been a stay-at-home mom for the last three years. I had a one and a three-year-old at the time. My son was three, my daughter was one. And so I had just, I was coming out of the newborn haze and the postpartum. And it was very clear to me that I was not living my best life. I wasn't taking very good care of myself. I wasn't happy. I was lethargic. Um, I still hadn't really shed the weight from my pregnancy and I just didn't feel good. And I think when the pandemic happened, like for a lot of us, we weren't distracted. We weren't going out socially. So what I was kind of trying to ignore inside of myself bubbled up to the surface and it was very hard for me to ignore that. And I was like, I, I've got to make a change here. And so I was invited into a program by TikTok that they were doing where they were at the stage where they were looking to revamp their image. Um, you know, a lot of people still saw it as this app where kids are dancing. Some people still do, <laughs> but it was, it certainly is more than that now, but it was more than that even back then. And so they saw an opportunity where we want to utilize this platform to be educating people and bringing this kind of educational content to people at home. So I was accepted into their creator program. It was the, called the Creator Learning Creators Learner Program, I believe. And I had some office hours with TikTok. There were requirements as far as, you know, posting every day. So I, I was really consistent, got a great feel for what was working, what wasn't working. And I just, I mean, one of the main things I've done is just be really, really consistent. Um, I started out sharing like little tips and tricks, like how to choose a juicy lemon and how to, you know, how, how to cut a mango and how to clean your cutting boards and things like that, some lifestyle stuff. And it was probably about nine months in 
when I had about 60,000 followers on TikTok. And I think my first, I've had a couple of viral videos, but a viral video does not make a business. You know, a viral video does not translate yeah. to sales. It, it only matters if there's an ROI, if people find you and start following you because of that viral video. So I, yeah, I ha I've had these waves where I've really kind of blown up in these waves. And that's, that's the name of the game, I think, is just staying consistent, keep doing your thing. You're responsible for the effort, not the result, and your people will find you. Um, and really listening to what people wanted to see from me. And mm -hmm. that's really when the big change happened. I started realizing like some of the stuff that I'm most excited about, or I feel like is the most quote unquote impressive. It's just not landing. People mm -hmm. want like the really simple, useful content where I'm meeting them where they are in their kitchens and, you know, it's providing value in something different. Yeah, I love that. And I I do. I feel like I learned so much from following you. And, you know, I've Good. done the culinary school thing. I've been in the culinary world for a long time. But again, your recipes are delicious and accessible and doable. And you have, you know, the lifestyle content that you have in there as well. I, it's no surprise to me that you have the following you have and that you've Thank built the you. business you have. It's, it's very cool to see. Um, and I think one of my favorite videos, I actually reshared this. I think you reposted this last or this past year in 2023 mm -hmm. was the um the video where you were joking about um the woman surprise that you were feeding your kids frozen chicken nuggets yeah, <laughs> yeah. janet and, and <laughs> you're like no janet i took them first <laughs> right right and i love that you yeah. know you bring that humor into what would otherwise you know be just an account people come to and follow for the recipes but it's it's more than that and I think that's cool and I think a lot of people are looking for that too and I think bringing them into your kitchen and making it feel like cooking is accessible I think is is huge especially cooking for families because I love that you are very much like me I'm not shy about shortcuts I always share if there is an option for a shortcut, like this recipe mm -hmm. uses chicken. If you want to grab a rotisserie chicken from the store, shred it up and use that in the soup instead of yeah. the chicken that you make at home. Like I will make my own shredded chicken, but yeah. sometimes we need that shortcut. And I really love mm -hmm. that you you bring that in too and you make it feel accessible for, for families. Mm, thank you for that. I mean, it's that's that's certainly, I mean, that is realistically my approach anyway. Now that I have kids, Sometimes it's just about getting food on the table and yeah. <laughs> giving them somewhat of a balanced day of eating. I mean, I I really, I don't stress about it so much. And I think that especially in an age where there are so many messages and so much advice and people telling you one day that this food is horrible for you. And then the next day it's the cure for everything. It's like, what do you really believe? And so I want to empower people to get in touch with their own intuition and listen to their own bodies and mm -hmm. pay attention to their own families and the effects of things. And rather than listening to all of the noise, because you just can't keep up. Yes. hundred percent. So on that note, mm -hmm. tell us about your new cookbook. Tell us about big bites, wholesome, nourishing recipes that are big on flavor and fun. What inspired it? 
Tell us about your cookbook and then we'll talk. We'll get into the nitty gritty about some cooking advice, but I want to hear about your yeah. cookbook first. Great. Uh, so Big Big Bites is my debut cookbook. It is something that I didn't really realize was the book that I needed to write until I started, until right before I started writing it. What I mean by that is that I had had opportunities to write a cookbook in the past and it just didn't feel like the world needed a cookbook from me at that time. And as someone, I'm sure you feel the same way, as someone with a, such a massive amount of appreciation and respect for the cookbook industry and the amazing cookbook authors and chefs that have come before me, it's like in a market that is arguably saturated, why does someone need a cookbook from me? I don't want to write a cookbook just to write a cookbook. And it became very clear to me when I launched my Hungry Lady Salad series in 2022, January 2022. And the response was so enormous. And it made me realize like there is a real need for this kind of food that is, you know, nourishing and nutrition forward. But that's like one of the less interesting things about it. It's mm -hmm. really just amazing recipes that are reliable, that are family friendly, that are really big on flavor and texture that are fun to make and feel really good to eat. And yeah, they, they just happen to be good for you and your family. And you might learn to love vegetables by eating them this way, but we're not focusing on dietary aspects as the, the real seller here. And so I think that was a time where we were in the new year, new you haze that always happens in January. And I'm kind of looking around like, okay, if people want to eat paleo, they go to these people and these websites. If they want to be vegan, they go to these websites and these people. But what about all of the people that like just want to eat better? Like can't really be slotted into a box and don't really want to do a diet. They just want to like eat more veggies and like learn how to cook some more whole foods and like, yeah, still have cake and like maybe still have like Doritos if they want to, but like maybe retrain their body a little bit to start appreciating and craving these more wholesome foods. And so I was like, that needs to be me. Mm -hmm. And that's where Big Bites really was born. I got an email and it was just the perfect match. I could tell of the different literary agents I had spoken with. She really got me. She got my philosophy. Um, and of course, you know, Big Bites is also a nod to as women really owning our hunger and owning our passion and our joy and like owning the mess of it. Like mess can be really fun. And I think it just kind of flies in the face of this more sterile, prim and proper way of eating. Yes, I love that. And I love that you will yeah. take those huge bites of food on your mm -hmm. TikToks, on your reels, and you have no shame yeah. about it because we should yeah. enjoy food. I think for so long, women have been taught that they should be eating small portions and small bites mm -hmm. and as little as possible. And I love that you're like, no, 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 we're going to make these gigantic salads and you're going to eat as yeah. much as feels good to you. And it's yeah. going to be packed with nutrients, but also packed with flavor. And 
I'm all on board with that. I'm very much the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast is very much non-dogmatic at all when it comes to ways of eating. It's like eat whatever way feels good for you, but let's incorporate more real whole foods. And that's very much what you do. And we've got to talk about the hungry lady salads. Let's talk a little bit more about those because I mean, they look absolutely delicious. I've tried a couple of them and you have a ton in Big Bites as well. So you kind of shared where the idea came from. What are your essentials for creating the ultimate Hungry Lady salad? And maybe what is your favorite? I know it's probably like asking you what your favorite kit is, but what are your essentials and what is your favorite? (laughs) Yeah, so my essentials really have to do with the salad dressing. I think one of my missions is to get people to be making more salad dressings. And I get so many messages from people saying like, I have not bought a salad dressing since 2022 because of you. And just really thinking about the story that is on your plate when it comes to like, I think of every recipe as a story, you've got a different you know, you have all of these different characters that interact with each other in a different way, and they bring out various things in the others. And you really need them all to create this harmonious story, right? So like you need the acid or the sweetness or the crunch, if you're talking about texture, and then the creaminess and the coolness and the spice and all of those things at play. So when I mean, when it comes to dressings, obviously great olive oil, I always have lemons on hand. Like I always have lemons, limes, oranges. I didn't realize just how much citrus I'd go through. Citrus, garlic, fresh herbs, and olive oil were like through my cookbook. Those were the things that I was needing to restock constantly, right? Because like they're just such great ways to bring freshness and vitality to a recipe. And so I think learning how to, how to make a great salad dressing, mustard, mustard is in a lot of my salad dressings, it emulsifies, it's like such a flavor bomb, it adds so much depth of flavor without much effort at all, just literally taking it out of the jar, um, and rethinking different things that you have on hand, like, if you don't, if I don't have honey for sweetness in a dressing, like, For instance, the fall farm stand salad with the fig vinaigrette, it uses fig preserves for Mm. the sweetness, right? So you're getting a little bit of thickness. You're getting that jammy sweetness from preserves. Like rethink some of the ingredients you have on hand. I'm really, really big on that. Mm, I love that. And I love having those staples around. If you have olive oil, and lemon and Dijon mustard. You basically have a vinaigrette right there. A little bit you of salt. You can make a dressing. Yeah. Yes. You, you have can a dressing. make a dressing. Yeah. It's so it's so easy. And I think it is one of those things we're just conditioned to just pick up the dressing at the grocery store until you make it at home. And you're like, this is so easy. It's so made easy. with nourishing ingredients. And it is so much better than what you can it get. It is so store. much better. Yeah. It is so much better. And you can just keep it on hand. I mean, you know, dressings will last a while. So yes, yeah, you're in good shape as far as my favorite salads. Okay. So the hungry lady salad chapter is the largest chapter in the book. I knew it needed to be because people Mm -hmm. would riot if I left salads out, of course. (laughs) Um, But I would say like one of my, I have a couple, the barbecue ranch chopped salad is delicious. 
and you're using pinto beans, you're making like barbecue pinto beans Mm. that are going on this chopped salad with a dairy-free ranch dressing. And then you have crumbled tortilla chips for crunch. And it's just, it's, it's really fantastic. And then I am a fan of a Caesar salad. I will always be a fan of a Caesar love salad. A Caesar. <laughs> like who doesn't love a Caesar? I mean, it's just, it, it so can't good. miss. Even a bad Caesar is like still pretty good, <laughs> yes. but this is not a bad Caesar. So the shaved Caesar salad with fennel and crispy chickpeas. I love, fennel. I love, I do too. I love fennel and it can really stand up to the dressing, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's got like that flavor and structure And so the Caesar dressing is really simple. It's lighter than a traditional Caesar dressing, but it's got the anchovy in there. Like you can't have Caesar dressing without anchovy. I mean, it just, (laughs) you can't, it's just not Caesar dressing. Like I'm sure it's still a good creamy dressing, but I am dogmatic on that. I'm not dogmatic on a lot, but I am dogmatic (laughs) on that. And then the, uh, the crispy chickpeas are just a great little technique to know because Adding things like that as a salad topper, I love to put them on top of homemade hummus or some kind of like a yogurt dip. You can make them on a sheet pan with some chicken thighs and vegetables. It's just a great little technique to know. And what I want people to do is to make a recipe and then be able to realize like this is a really cool, easy component. What Mm. else can I do with this? And now they've learn not just a recipe, but they're halfway to a future recipe too. We're just going to take a minute to hear from this week's sponsors. It's the new year and we're all thinking about new routines and habits. I've shared this before and I'll share it again. The hardest, hardest habit for me is drinking enough water. To be perfectly honest right now, I'm recording this first thing in the morning and I still haven't had my water. But what I did do was make sure to refill my AquaTrue water filter so it is filtering water as we speak so I can go and fill up my huge 40-ounce water bottle and sip that throughout the day. I am always looking for more ways to make drinking water easier so I don't even have to think about it. It's why I got that giant 40 ounce water cup and it's why I'm obsessed with my AquaTrue countertop water filter. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. I put it together 100% by myself with my kids watching and it removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. PFAs are found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water, and I'm grateful that AquaTrue is certified to remove these contaminants. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, no changing filters every two to three months. AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years, which is super convenient. It's even portable, which is perfect for renters like us or for college dorms. Not to mention, the water actually tastes so good, I find myself actually wanting to drink more water. I can truly taste a difference compared with previous water filters, and let me tell you, it makes the best coffee ever. And it makes me feel good knowing my family is drinking clean water free of contaminants as well. We always fill my kids' water bottles up before they head off for any activities with AquaTrue filtered water. And because I know if you're like me and you want to make sure you're making the right purchases for your family, AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code HEALTHYMAMA at checkout. 
That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use code HEALTHYMAMA. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I love that. Yeah. If you know how to make crispy chickpeas, you know how to make a dressing, then right. you are you're building on those cooking skills and those really delicious like flavor bombs, like you said, that you can mm-hmm. really enhance your everyday recipes with. And I think it's so That's easy right. to get into recipe ruts. Um, I know that if I'm not developing recipes, I'll go through periods of time where I'm developing a ton of recipes. And then we kind of get into this habit of just eating the same things that we always eat, which my kids like. And I'm eventually my kids are like, this is great, mom, but we're we're sick of this. So having those (laughs) having those recipes in your back pocket that you can kind of, you know what, maybe I'll toss crispy chickpeas on this and Mm -hmm. just mix this up a little bit. And I also love a good Caesar salad. I judge restaurants based on their Caesar. I will I will order a Caesar at a new restaurant. And if it's not a good Caesar, then you're gonna have to really impress me because I want yeah. That says a lot. That says a lot. I feel the same way about a bread basket, you know, like Mm. if it's some sad bread and like really cold butter that like, isn't, I'm I'm like, this is not going to be good. (laughs) No, I agree. It's funny. I brought my 10 year old to a local restaurant here. We're in, we're in Tampa Bay and Mm. uh, this great little Italian spot. And the first thing they brought out was some fresh focaccia with this rose. It was like a, not rose. Yeah. It was rosemary, lavender, honey, whipped butter. And immediately the bread was warm and oh. I, you know, we're dipping it in there and I'm like this, I don't, I don't even know what else we're going to have tonight, but I could just yeah. sit here with this basket of bread and enjoy this yep. and my glass of wine well, and that perfect. <laughs> totally. And that lets, lets you know, we're in for something good here, right? Like yes. we're in for a treat here. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's always exactly. A good uh, okay. So let's talk a little bit more about food specifically. I mean, we've talked a lot about food. It's all about food. But one of the things that I love about you, we've talked about this several times, is that you are classically trained. And, you know, I've mentioned I've also gone to culinary school. I've been in this world for a long time. And you bring in a lot of those techniques. But like I've said a couple of times, too, you make them accessible. So I want to know kind of what are some of your tips as someone who is classically trained, but is also your everyday home cook. You're a mom who's making meals for your family. What are your best tips for the home cook who's like, you know, I'm not at the level of somebody who's been to culinary school, who's classically trained. I just want to eat food that is really delicious. What are your tips for adding flavor to those kind of everyday meals? You just mentioned a couple of them, but I want to know some Mm -hmm. of some more. (laughs) Yeah, I have lots of them. I mean, I talk about technique a lot and I do try to make it just again, fun and sort of casual, but technique is really important because if you're just following recipes, you're not really learning to cook arguably, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like using a GPS when you drive. There's a reason why I can barely get to my kid's school without a GPS. (laughs) It's because I use it all the time. So I, I don't actually like learn where I'm going. It's the same thing with recipes. So I think like really basic level stuff, roasting 
roasting veggies. That is one of the easiest ways to prepare veggies for dinner. It is hands off. Just make sure that you are not overcrowding your pan. That is one of the biggest mistakes. So, like I see it time and time again, your stuff is not going to brown because what's going to happen is that if you're piling a whole bunch of veggies onto a tray, same with proteins as well. Like if you're roasting some sausages or chicken thighs, if you're piling everything onto itself, it's going to end up steaming because it lowers the pressure, moisture ends up being emitted, and it's just going to, it's going to be gray and pale and soft and sad. And so if you want that beautiful brown caramelization, split it up into two pans if you have to. I know it's an extra pan to wash, but you will be very happy you did. That's a big one. And then when it comes to cooking meats, Understanding how to properly cook with protein, getting it so that it is getting, again, that nice sear because browning is flavor. So one of the biggest, two of the biggest mistakes I see being made is that people are putting really cold protein into a hot pan, often not even hot enough. And then again, you're letting off all of the, all of this moisture and it's not going to brown the way you want it to brown. So always take, I always take my meat out an hour or so before I plan to cook with it so that it can come down to room temperature. Not only is it going to give me that caramelization, it's also going to cook more evenly. The other thing is that when meat comes off of the heat, it needs to rest for a little bit because as it cooks, the juices all want to escape. So what you need to do is you need to give it time for the juices to redistribute back into the meat or else they're going to end up all over your cutting board. Mm -hmm. So you will get juicier, more flavorful meat if you give it a few minutes to rest. Put some foil over it if you're worried about it getting cold, but you'll be surprised even with a roasted chicken. I mean, you can let it rest 30, 40 minutes and half the time the inside is still piping hot. <laughs> yes. I think those are such good tips and definitely things I see, I teach cooking classes occasionally. And that's one of the oh, big I things that. I talk about is taking your meat out ahead of time. And I can't tell you how many people have, you know, have an overcrowding your pan as well. I can't tell you how many people are like, you really, like, isn't the meat going to go bad? I'm like, no, not in that short no. amount of time, but you are going to get such a good sear compared to taking it out and putting it in cold. It's going to take longer to cook. It's going to dry out. It's not going to be, it's not going to be great. So I think those are such solid tips. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. And not messing with it too. Once it first gets into the pan, like yes. letting it, letting it get that crust, because if it's hard for it, if you're having a hard time flipping it over, if you're having a hard time turning your meat, it's because it's sticking to the pan still, it will tell you when it's time to release it, right? It will get yes. that nice brown crust and it will release itself. So it doesn't need to be hard. We don't have to struggle. Let the meat do some of the talking for us. Yes. <laughs> and I agree that those cooking techniques, I love that you have them sprinkled through your book. They're so essential. You don't need to go to culinary school to be a good cook. It's very helpful, but you don't need to go to culinary school to be a good cook. You just need to know some of those essential techniques to make your cooking better. So That's I love right. that you have those sprinkled through your book as well. And you're teaching as well as providing recipes. So what are some of your pantry and fridge staples then? I know we all love the whole like, you know, what's in your fridge? What's in your pantry? So what are some of the things that you keep on hand for delicious, flavor-packed, nourishing meals? I, I 
if you, if you have a can of beans or a can of chickpeas in your pantry, you've got a meal. I mean, you, you are so cool. I'm a big fan of doing a great big vat of beans, like sauteed with a bunch of aromatics, some, you know, tomato, like you can take it in a, in a Putinesca direction. You can go in an Indian direction with, you know, curry and spices and coconut milk. I mean, you, you have dinner essentially. One of my favorite things I say, like, that's my girl dinner when the kids are at sports or whatever it is, or my husband's not home. I will just do a big pan of beans with a lot of aromatics and some vegetables, make them nice and soupy and then some crusty bread and like, and good butter and call it a day. I mean, that's like my favorite thing to have for dinner, honestly. Um, so I always have a good amount of legumes in the pantry and grains and good pasta. I love jovial foods, brown rice pasta. Mm, it is, yeah. it's what we have 95% of the, t- the time. And as somebody who is part Italian, I can say that you would be very hard pressed to know that it is a brown rice pasta. It's fantastic. And the only ingredients are brown rice and water. So it, we live on that pasta that has saved my, um, saved my dinners many, many times. Yeah. Having those good quality ingredients on hand and also those easy ingredients to create a meal. I love that you mentioned beans because I also, a, a can of beans can turn into so many different things. That salad, like you mentioned before, one of the two salads you mentioned before, mm-hmm. the can yep. of pinto beans Both or of a can of chicken yeah. you can make a, a big hungry lady salad. And my kids happen to really like salad. I think it just has to do with the variety and textures and the really good dressing. I know not all kids love salads, but like you said, you can make it into a curry. You can make it into what we call it, just a big pot of beans and greens. I'll saute up. Usually I do a strip of bacon in there first for a little bit of flavor and then lots of garlic, lots of onions, greens. Usually we do kale, white beans, broth, and then crusty bread. Very similar to what you said. And that's one of our favorite go-to. And it takes 15 minutes, which is amazing. I think we oftentimes overcomplicate how long dinner mm-hmm. <laughs> dinner needs and to it taste and it tastes really slow cooked i mean the, yes. the flavor develops really quickly where yeah. it tastes like it's been just like stewing away for three hours but it's yes. yeah it's one of my favorite things too so fast i think people need to just take away from this that a can of beans can do so much <laughs> and get your cookbook so and, much. and there's there's a ton of recipes with beans in your cookbook and they're also inexpensive too and i know a lot of people are concerned mm-hmm. about the cost of food these days because it is more yeah. expensive and yeah. beans can do so much a lot of these mm-hmm. pantry staples pasta can do so much you can have a really flavorful nourishing meal with these really simple pantry staples you just have to keep them on hand agree i'm also a really big fan of toasts so doing something like, so I, I went to Blue Hill Farm for lunch, which is one of my favorite places ever. And I had, they have these egg salad tartines with caramelized onions and a pickled carrot relish. And the combination of just even the caramelized onions and the egg salad, it had never occurred to me to put those two things together. Mind blowing. 
It sounds amazing. mind blowing. <laughs> so when I don't know what to make, I mean, for a while there, I was making that almost once a week, mm-hmm. but like just get some really good bread, toast it up, a layer of caramelized onion, some egg salad, and then some finely minced cornichon or whatever pickles you have on hand. I mean, that's a really balanced meal. I'm a big fan of eggs for dinner too. I mean, that that's actually my preferred time to have them. Yeah. Well, you have some great egg recipes too. You have Mm. eggs in purgatory. I was looking at that. Eggs in purgatory. I need to try that recipe. Yeah. It's basically an Italian shakshuka. And then the goat cheese fried eggs are, again, a lot of what, what I do is taking something familiar and just adding a little bit of a unique twist, a little bit of sophistication, a little bit of fun. And the goat cheese basically just acts as both the fat and the cheese in the, in the egg recipe. I mean, it's barely a recipe. It's like three ingredients, but it's phenomenal and tons of flavor. See, I think every time I say something isn't a recipe, it's just a few ingredients. I think that's when people's minds are like blown by how well these flavors Mm -hmm. go together, like the egg salad with, which obviously has a few ingredients, but with the caramelized onion, so much of it is just learning how to put those different flavors together. And I love that you have these recipes that do have these up-leveled enhanced flavors, but they don't feel like something you can't make on a weeknight. That's right. Just reimagining ingredients that you probably already have at home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And learn how to caramelize an onion. It is so simple. It takes time, that's but it's simple. so simple. It takes a little it, time, but like, yeah. That's it. It's so simple. It's ingredients you have on hand. It's really just onions and oil, maybe maybe a pinch of sugar just to bring that caramelization, literally just mm-hmm. a pinch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're so good. So much flavor. So good. And if they start to brown too fast on you at any point, you can just add a little bit of water, deglaze mm-hmm. the pan. I mean, it's yeah, that's one of those essential techniques that I think a lot of people get wrong at home and they're like, ah, what's the big deal about caramelized onions? Or I don't like caramelized onions. I'm like, those aren't caramelized onions. Those are cooked onions. You cook them for 10 minutes. You know, (laughs) that's a totally different thing. You need to give them time to transform and it's the reward is very high. Yes, definitely. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the recipes in your cookbook. I had so much fun going through. I was very grateful to have an advanced copy of your cookbook. So I had so much fun going through all of the recipes in your cookbook. So you obviously have the hungry lady salads. You have morning person breakfast recipes. We talked about some of those snacks and sips. You have weeknight dinners, soups and stews and Sunday suppers when you, you know, need to take a little bit more time to make some of these recipes. But like you said, it's such a good opportunity to bring the family around the table and connect on a Sunday or whatever day you might have a little bit more time. There are so many recipes that I want to try, like your crispy crackled chicken. I have not tried. And I know that that is like a viral recipe of yours. I need to try. You just shared your uh, roasted cauliflower tacos on those Mm -hmm. were on my list of recipes I wanted to try. And then you shared them on your Instagram and TikTok. So I definitely need to try those because I love cauliflower. It's actually my husband's favorite vegetable, which feels very random. I love that. I mean, I, I love mean, cauliflower that's too. Enough, but... That's reason enough to marry him. Yes. If you ask me. I mean, yes. that's amazing. <laughs> so there are so many delicious recipes. What are some of your favorite recipes from the cookbook specifically? And what are some of your go-to family recipes from the cookbook as well for any of our listeners who are, you know, adding to their Amazon cart right now? What, are, <laughs> what should they make first? So I would say, 
it's very hard to choose a favorite recipe. Of course, I would say, you know, the three-year gluten-free bread is the one that, that was the one recipe that I knew was going to be in the cookbook because it took me three years to create it. (laughs) Um, So this is a true labor of love on my part so that it doesn't have to be so laborious for home cooks. And it's a bread that you can mix bake and eat in the same day. So you're not, there's no overnight resting. You don't have to plan that far ahead. You can wake up on a Sunday and say, I really want fresh bread tonight and you can have it. And that was, that was where I needed to get to with that recipe. And truthfully, I think that that's the recipe that a lot of people have bought the book for in and of itself, because I have (laughs) never shared it anywhere. Yes. Um, But some of the, some of the desserts, I mean, the it's in the breakfast chat. It's in the morning person chapter. The uh, New York crumb cake mm. is basically, so it's like those little squares, well, not so little because they're pretty giant, but those squares of coffee cake that you would see at those corner stores all over New York city yeah. wrapped in the cellophane. They have like the, that big, those like boulder size crumble topping with the powdered sugar. And it's like this sweet scented vanilla cake. I came pretty close and it's a, (laughs) you know, obviously a lighter version of it, but I really wanted to replicate that. And I came pretty close. Uh, But then as far as dinner recipes, so many of these are truly the recipes that I make for my family on a regular basis or when I'm having company. And these are recipes that you can make for kids and for adults, generally speaking, because mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't want to cook multiple meals. I want to yes. be able to cook something that everybody can eat. And people think, and they're like, how do you do that? And it's just, you have to learn the kinds of things that everybody will eat. But the soups and stews section is amazing for right now. Like the snow day beef and vegetable stew with pasta. That is a no brainer. My entire family loves it. I mean, kids usually like ground beef. They usually like pasta. Maybe they'll tolerate some carrots and stock. Um, (laughs) Mine now will, but it's incredibly cozy. And then just the the recipes like the chimichurri meatballs. My kids love meatballs. I love chimichurri. (laughs) And chimichurri, what's not to like, right? So the chimichurri meatballs are incredible. And that's something that you can make and you can freeze a bunch of them too. So you can do a double recipe to make it really simple. And then there are some surprising ones in the vegetable section that are just really killer. The honey harissa carrots with labneh are Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Like you taste them and you're like, how is this, this delicious? And then the salt and vinegar smashed potatoes. Everybody always loves those. Again, like you're taking a smashed potato. I didn't invent that but then you're taking on the profile of salt and vinegar potato chips and you're, you're boiling them in the vinegared water with salt Mm. so that the flavor really, yeah. So the flavor really permeates the inside of the potatoes. Oh, I need to make those for my husband as well. Cause salt and vinegar and my my younger daughter, salt and vinegar are their favorite potato chips. If we ever have potato chips, they're going for the salt and vinegar. Yeah. Tons of flavor. Love that. I'm all about making vegetables delicious and appealing because they can 
oftentimes be an afterthought. We're like, oh, yeah. shoot, we've got to have vegetables on our plate. You know, we're focusing on the protein or this, you know, the grain side or whatever it is. And we're like, oh, we'll just steam a bag of broccoli. That's not what we do in our house because we love vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I want my kids to crave vegetables. And so right. I love that you have some really tasty veggie recipes in there. Yes. Main character energy. Yes. I always <laughs> say, like giving veggies the main character energy that they deserve. Yes. Well, I guess you're doing that with the hungry lady salads. You're doing that Mm -hmm. with the recipes in your book. And I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to cook out of your book. And one of my goals for this new year, because we're, we're still going to be in January when this episode's released. So one of my goals is to cook other people's recipes for fun because I do so much recipe development myself when I'm not, like I said, we tend to default to the same old recipes. And I'm like, I want to bring in some other people's recipes just for fun, just for more flavor. And your cookbook is definitely top of my list to, uh, I really, I really, I really like that idea. I, I felt the exact same way, especially when I was developing the cookbook, I was like, I want to cook something from someone else. Yeah. Then why why don't you send me one or two of your favorite recipes so I can cook? For oh you yeah, too? <laughs> I would love that. I will definitely that send you a great. couple of my of my favorites too. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. All of my recipes are kid approved too because they have to be, or at least ninety percent of them. My my six year old is in a phase, but <laughs> oh, they all are. They all yes. are at six years old. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's that age, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure our listeners can relate as well. Well, this has been so much fun. Can we finish off with some fun rapid fire questions? Love it. I love asking a couple of surprise questions at the end, just to kind of, you know, continue to get to know you at the end of every episode. So what is the last thing that you ate? The last thing I ate was this morning, I had two fried eggs with a little bit of a lemony yogurt sauce drizzled on top of them. Oh my gosh. Sounds so good. And so on brand, nourishing, but something so flavor based. It sounds a little bit like fancy or something, but it's really, it's really not. It's just mixing some yogurt. I like to front load my protein in the mornings and really like to make sure I'm getting a lot in in the morning. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So we talked about some of your pantry staples, but what is your must have pantry ingredient for flavor that you think people need on hand? Must have pantry ingredient for flavor. Does garlic count? I keep that in the pantry, but yeah, I mean, if you, you want to go with garlic, jarred. okay, okay. Either I, way, I mean, I would say garlic is sort of an obvious one, but if we're not, ta- if we're talking about a condiment, I would say vinegars. I have about mm. ten different kinds of vinegars, and I use them in all kinds of stuff, not just salads, but it's a way to really like break out add it at the end of soups or I'll use it in something like the sausage and pep and uh pepperonata recipe in my cookbook it's just a way to add again that depth of flavor and kind of that little something to give life to a dish yes do you have a favorite brand or a favorite vinegar specifically that's your kind of go-to I really don't discriminate okay I really don't (laughs) discriminate I use I probably have like 10 different kinds of vinegar. So it really depends if we're talking about like I do Bragg's apple cider vinegar yeah. a lot. So I love Bragg's. Um, I always have probably like three big jars of that on yes. hand. 
I do too. I actually just put a note in my on my shopping list because I made some quick pickled onions and I use like a half mm. of a cup of apple cider vinegar and I'm like, yeah. oh, need to get more because I always need, need to get more a big jug. Yeah, so I panic if apple, I don't have it. Oh yeah, no, I vinegars are something we keep on hand too. And aside from apple cider vinegar, I think vinegars are one of those items that's worth maybe splurging on a couple mm-hmm. really nice vinegars because mm-hmm. they can be a little bit pricier, but you use a pretty small amount in your dishes and they add so much flavor. So I love that. They answer. add so they add so much flavor and you can even add them. So I'll, I'll make a homemade balsamic glaze like every three months or so. And I don't use like the expensive stuff for that. I just use, you know, like a big jar of like whole foods balsamic, just reduce it until it's down to mm-hmm. half. And I'll just drizzle that on like cottage cheese toast with some pomegranate seeds and salt. Again, salt. I mean, salt is <laughs> salt is a part of every equation. Yes. What kind of salt do you use? What is your go-to? So on a regular basis, diamond, diamond crystal kosher salt. That's what I use yeah. in my kitchen. What do you use? I use diamond crystal and then I'll also use real salt, sea salt as well. It just kind of depends on the oh, recipe. And yeah. like dressings, I'll use sea salt just because it dissolves yeah. faster, but otherwise... For sure. meat, for fish, and I'll use Maldon for flaking yeah. usually. Yes. Oh yeah. my god! I have I think a I giant. Told, a giant. I have a giant thing of Maldon too. I think I told the story yeah. on the podcast recently that my my six year old, the one who is pickier, um, I don't like using that. She's more selective. Yes. But she loves hard cooked eggs, and I had made a hard cooked recipe, hard cooked egg recipe. I just wanted to put on my website just a standard hard cooked eggs. I cook them in the instant pot. And so I'd taken photographs and I put Maldon on top because, I mean, who doesn't love a hard-cooked egg with a little bit of Maldon? So she asked to have one. So I was like, well, absolutely. I'm going to let you have a hard-cooked egg. So she eats it and she's like, what is this on top? And I'm like, oh, it's it's just salt. It's flaky salt. So from then on, now my six-year-old needs Maldon on her hard-cooked eggs. She asks for the fancy salt. She's like, can I have Mm -hmm. the fancy salt on my eggs? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you have good taste, kid. (laughs) I know. I know. They... it's really funny. I <laughs> that's adorable. And my kids, especially William, my son, is the same way. He asks for the big salt, yes. which is the big flakes of salt. And yep. I'm just like, my, <laughs> oh my God, this kid just like eating his like even a bagel with butter, like he wants <laughs> flaky salt on it. I'm like, sure, kid. I mean, why not? Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's I so love good. that for him. Yeah. It's a great finishing salt. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. worth having in your kitchen. Yeah. For I love sure. it. Okay, what are you having for dinner tonight? I'm having for dinner tonight. So tonight I'm going to be making, I'm actually making the sausage and pepperonata that I just mentioned with the balsamic because I've got some chicken sausages in the freezer. I love Seymour's. Those are my favorite chicken sausages. And I've got some peppers on hand. I'm always looking at what I have on hand that I can base my meal around. Yes. Because I'm not, I'm not going to to the store today. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Last but not least, if you could eat just one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably pasta. It's mm. a good Probably answer. You pasta. can do so much with pasta. <laughs> oh, I mean, pasta, pasta and clams would be like my, mm. one of my last meals for sure. Yes. And my husband learned how to make that for me for our last anniversary. And that was like the best gift he could have given me. Oh, that is, that is actually the best. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So good. Oh, I love that. Any other favorite pasta dishes in your cookbook before I let you yeah, go? Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a spicy fusilli with tomato and cream that is 
phenomenal. Um, and it uses tomato paste at the base of it to get that like really nice depth of flavor. Um, and then there's also, I mean, there's a broccoli al forno. So mm. it's, a, you know, a baked pasta dish with different cheeses and broccoli and yeah. Those so are good. some good ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, the listeners are just going to have to go out and get your cookbook. I'm sure many, many, many of them already follow you, whether it's on TikTok or on Instagram. You're so good about connecting with your community. You're always in stories on Instagram and you're posting consistently. So if they don't follow you, uh, where can my listeners find you? I'm Cat Can Cook on Instagram and TikTok. And then KathleenAshmore.com is my website. Awesome. This has been so much fun, Kat. I love so chatting fun. with you. I love talking all things food. This is like the best way. It's the morning for the listeners who are listening later. And this is like the best way to start the morning. Have a really good conversation about food and feeding our families. And I am just so grateful for all of the delicious food and tips that you bring to the world. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Thank you. I listen to a Mommy's podcast. Friend, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Healthy Mama Kitchen Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you love to listen to podcasts so you never miss a cooking tip. If you've been loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly makes a difference in how many other busy cooks find this show and lets me know what you're loving and want to hear more of. For show notes and links to all the recipes and tools I mention, head to healthymamachris.com slash podcast. For daily eats, cooking tips, and family-friendly shortcut dinner ideas, be sure to follow along over on Instagram at HealthyMamaChris. Remember, cooking for your family may not always feel easy, but it can be simple.